0: Today is August 17th, 2017, and welcome to episode 3 of our 2017 Summer Series. Man, enough 17s for one month, huh? Eh? What's in a number? Well, actually, speaking of numbers, guys, we're going to be back on September 7th. Another 7? Another yeah. What's going on today? Well, you know, lucky number 7. you know, one thing... James, I'm leaving in a couple weeks. One question that I've had on my mind that I've never had a chance to ask anyone here, or maybe not had a chance, but I just haven't asked. Why aren't there any casinos? You into gambling? No. I'm well, into investing? Uh, well, basically, <laughs> it's it's like footloose. Ah, okay. Yeah, uh, we have no dancing sense. on Sundays here. I've never. I don't think I've ever seen anyone dance on Sundays. here. Well,
1: what time do they close all the night activities in the island? I mean,
0: that, you know what? That's that is one thing. We're not. Uh, things close pretty early. Twelve here. o'clock. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, things are. An and open then no dancing. Day. But I kind of. You know, I kind of like that. You know, I, I, I was living in New York City before and. Things are open 24-7, but when you come here, there's a, there's a time when you do things, and a time when you do other things. And I kind of liked it. I loved it,
1: actually. Yeah. Well, so, it's kind of time for us to get on with the podcast. All right, well,
0: let me get back to what I was saying before I was derailed by the number seven. And the, that is that we will be back on September 7th with the second season of Adventures in Finance. And I won't be back, but James and Grant have an exciting first episode lined up for you guys. It's going to be huge. It is going to be huge. And with us on the line as well is Grant. Grant, how are you?
2: Guys, I'm good, I'm good and I'm, I'm thoroughly looking forward to our guest today because he's a, he's a dear friend of mine and a unique individual.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. You know, Grant, when I was thinking about who to invite for this summer series, I mean, I, Jawad was first to mind because he's just got such a, a multi-dimensional perspective and so unique in his thinking process that I was just like, you know, we have to get him. Out. And not about markets, right? This is this is about non finance. This is not about not about investing. And uh, I think we're going to touch on some really interesting topics, uh, philosophical topics that our listeners are going to take away. So uh, let's get to Jawad. Joining us this week is Jawad Mian of Stray Reflections. Jawad, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, Jawad, I want to, I want to start with your backstory because I think. You've talked about this on Real Vision TV in the past, and, and it was one of the, the reasons I wanted to get, get you back on. Well, one, not, not the main reason, but one of the interesting reasons. So, you know, you transitioned from wanting to be a doctor to a lawyer and then ultimately becoming a banker. And I think this is a really interesting transition because, you know, because of the balance you had to strike between managing your own expectations and family expectations, and then ultimately finding your way. So I want to dig a little bit into what this journey was like for you.
1: Sure. So I think it's all about part of growing up, you know, in, when you're in high school, not everybody knows what they really want to do. They are no real strong inclination. So you look for advice from your parents and friends. And at that time, my parents uh, really encouraged me to be uh, a doctor, seeing me as a, as a good student. And then, you know, as you grow older and you figure out what your interests are, um, I started thinking more about law. Um, got into law school, but then decided against it because I figured I'm actually uh, more in love with the idea of being called a lawyer than perhaps practicing law. And then just, you know, uh, through over time and experience, you, um, you know, finish your education, uh, you, be, you begin your work experience. In the first job, I was a bank teller uh, and still without any strong inclination of what I really wanted to do. But that was a great opportunity because it sort of opens you up to uh, many facets of uh, the world of finance. And it's through that, actually, um, that I discovered that, I, that I'm more interested and passionate about markets and, and trading. But I would, you know, really just describe it very much so as what Goethe once said, you know, I mean, wherever a man may happen to turn, whatever a man may undertake, he'll end up by the path, what nature has set out for him. And I think that's how I view that journey. You know, it's just uh, meandering along to whatever we all need to be doing.
2: Yeah, you know, Joe, it's, I, I love the fact that you bring up Goethe in that in that uh, answer, because you yeah, when i first read your work stray reflections your mutual friend of ours sent it sent it to me and you know i i i didn't i hadn't heard you i didn't know who you were i opened this thing and, and and started reading it and i remember to this day many years later the feeling i had when i was reading it because it it took me somewhere that reading finance never does it was it was like reading for pleasure you know you you have the soul of a poet and and the the literature and the poetry and the and the stuff you reference in your in your work you know, I'm very comfortable saying it is unlike anybody else that writes about finance. How did you, how did, how do you weave that stuff in there? Because it, you know, it's, it's such a great demonstration of of who you are in your soul, away from markets. How did you bring that to bear on markets? Because it's just, it's, I mean, it's, it's beautiful to read.
1: So the way I think about it, to be honest, I'm not unique in what I do. There are a thousand guys out there that are writing global macro research that are trying to help clients make better investment decisions. I'm not unique in what I do. What is unique is me, and that applies to you and everybody else out there. So when I started writing Share Reflections, it was really very much chronicling a personal journey, um, which find its way uh, an inter- interesting parallel between life and markets. The last thing I wanted to do was be just another report on a client's desk. Um, it's far more interesting to develop stronger personal bonds and relationships. You know, so for me, um, it was very much trying to uh, focus on whatever I was learning, whatever I was going through, and uh, sharing that with our clients. I mean, one of my fundamental beliefs is the more clarity we have in life, the more clarity we'll find in markets, and that's a reflection of what our uh, what we publish every single month. So frankly, I spend more time on the former, trying to find clarity in life than about markets, because I just think you'll naturally get there. And the world, um, is in a very odd place right now because we seem to have uh, pursued this uh, you know, scientific era and knowledge and the pursuit of knowledge and focusing on the brain um, and gathering intelligence. And I feel um, what's more important perhaps uh, than training your mind and training uh, to become more intelligent in whatever you do is perhaps uh, focusing on the internal side and, and focusing on the heart. Strange, right? I mean, I've read all these wonderful books by all these, you know, famous poets, writers, philosophers, sages, saints, prophets, and they all talk about the heart. They don't talk about the brain. It's 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 interesting. I mean, Confucius says wherever you go, go with all your heart. I mean, Rumi says there's a candle in your heart ready to be kindled, not your brain. It's funny. So from that perspective, you know, I've spent more most of my time. Trying to learn more about the self, which gets you to these different interesting writers, personalities, and history, and all these different sorts of books, um, and that's basically a summary of those learning, a summary of those experiences. That's uh, what it is, and I'll also add, you know, when you go into that realm, you realize that you know the truth is universal. Like so, Goethe, who I really admire was um, you know, Iqbal, who's an Eastern philosopher and a poet, his biggest influence. When you look at Emerson, who, who is, in my opinion, a true global macro poet, one of his biggest influences was Hafiz, who's an Eastern poet. So I think um, it's very much trying to build a bridge between East and West, and um, develop a universal experience for our readers, and hopefully, through better clarity, uh, we can arrive at better answers for our investors. Because it sounds cheesy, honestly, but I wish I can develop enough confidence one day when someone asks me what I do for a living that I could say I'm devoted to the pursuit of truth. Because that's fundamentally what I believe I am doing on a daily basis. And the more uh, comfortable you are with understanding how the greats have discovered truth, the, the easier we can learn from their lessons and perhaps apply that into markets.
2: But, but it's funny, you know, you, you talk about building that bridge. and. Uh, uh, but you're, you're also building a bridge between you and an audience. Um, you know, many of whom will think Emerson is a Brazilian footballer. You know, <laughs> you, it's still, it's a brave leap to make to, to talk about these things. You know, what, what's the reaction been? Because, you know, I, I read what you write and you know, I, I, I can't wait to read the next piece, but it, it must be, you must get mixed reactions to it because it's, it's, it's such a different way to look at things. And sometimes that challenges people.
1: That's an interesting question. You know, so funnily enough, I get more comments. Uh, as you know, the intro and the ending is usually got nothing to do with markets, and yeah. And the idea for that is that when someone receives their affections, I want them to switch off the bloom extreme. I want them to reflect, or at least take thirty minutes out of one month to um, devote to this. You know, and I know that's asking a lot, even in this day and age. But that's what I hope for. So, uh, frankly, you know. The, the, the comments have actually been very interesting, even on the uh, intro and the ending. I want more feedback about that than you know comments or challenges about my market views. So it's been you know it's been well received and I think uh, like I said, I'm not unique in what I do as in terms of you know uh, my market views. There are, I'm sure lots of people out there that think similarly or differently, and we can all arrive at different conclusions. But I think this is perhaps something that separates us. and to be honest, Grant, it, I can't imagine just writing a market report. I don't think that would inspire me or motivate me to publish anything. If it wasn't for the other reflections, because I really believe that is the core, if it wasn't for that, I don't think I'd be able to produce anything.
0: Jawad, I, th- I think you know those two answers right there perfectly encapsulate why we want to bring you on for our summer series, and just kind of talk about the you know stuff that's non-market related, because right there you talk about you know finding clarity in life and then helping you find clarity in markets. Um, I mean, we're going to get to the books in a second because that's one of the questions that a lot of us listeners have asked us. But I want to get to some, something a little bit more practical because when we talk about finding clarity in life, I, I often associate you know, have finding balance. And and through that balance, you can be productive and also creative. So, you know, how do you find those aspects in your life? How do you maintain those aspects in your life while meeting the demands of, let's say, staying up to date and identifying opportunities for your clients? You know, what are some specific maybe actions or steps that you take to actually achieve that mental or physical balance that allows you to operate at uh, your optimal state?
1: So I think, you know, my knowing 20-year-old self sought to live an ideal sucked in from other people. You know, my notion of how life should be lived was based on superficial impressions rather than my own sense of purpose. So, so the way I'd answer your question would be that uh, there's two, two things that I do. Uh, I think one is be present. And it's strange I say that, right, because we're we're working in an industry where I'm trying to live in the future and imagine what the world will look like six months, 12 months, 24 months from now. But at a personal level, I try to be very, very present. And that's only possible if you shift your life from being very goals-driven to values-driven, which is, again, what all the greats that I've looked up to did. right? So uh, what do I mean by being very present? It means basically focusing on things that are in your control, and not worrying about things that are outside your control it means don't make crazy plans about you know, where things are going to be uh for you your family or anything for that matter uh, live very intensely in the present Like you know it's it's an illusion to think that um life continues forever life is only available in the present and, and the more fo- the more you focus on um, being present i think the less noise um the less nonsense there is and then you can f- by extension, uh, definitely become clearer in your thoughts because you filtered out so much. I think uh, that's fundamental. It's uh, not really thinking about the past or worrying about the past, not really thinking about the future or worrying about the future, um, taking each day as it comes and trying to be um, as present as possible in all your experiences. And then the second thing would be uh, focusing on the heart, to be honest. And uh, that's important to me more than the mind and and trying to um, you know f- focus on learning as much as I could about anything and everything. I think focusing on the heart um, is crucial. I think it was Adam Smith or or George Goodman uh, you know, his real name, who said you know um, yeah, investing in the first thing you need to know is yourself, right? So where do you begin? Um, again, it's funny, right? Because all these guys talked about the heart, yet no one talks about the heart anymore. And I think uh, being present and focusing on the heart as much as possible is what keeps me, um, I guess, focused. And uh, I think what brings all of that together is uh, another observation whereby, just in this whole pursuit of science, uh, which is great and it's given us so much, you know, uh, uh, in terms of innovation and, and progress and, and uh, uh, making the world better, but we've also at the same time. Uh, gone in this secular pursuit, where we've either compartmentalized God, given Him a back seat, or completely taken Him out of our lives. And uh, I think, what could be more contrarian? You know, I, I often say, you know, God is in a bear market. So look <laughs> at religious affiliation. <laughs> you, know, it, you know, religious affiliation has been going down uh, for the last fifty, hundred 100 years. So what could be more contrarian uh, in this day and age than to live a faith-centered life? And I think uh, it's the ability to, to do that which allows you to focus on the present and uh, be aware of your heart. And I think that's where uh, the clarity and the purpose stems from.
2: Yeah, you know, Joe, Joe you, t- you talk about the fact that you're not unique, but, but there is a uniqueness to how you do what you do. And it's, you know, this, this idea in a, in a world that focuses exclusively on the future that you try so hard to stay in the present and, you know, your, your returns demonstrate that that works. I mean, it's, it's extraordinary. And, you know, I, I, get asked all the time, um, you know, what my favorite, um, real vision interview is. And, and uh, you know, I, 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 refuse to pick any of my children, but, um, you know, when I, when I narrow it down for people, the conversation you and I had in Dubai 18 months or so ago is right up there because you know, you and I, fundamentally disagree about just about everything in terms of markets where we think things are going where we what we think of the present what we think of the likely future and so it, it, it's such a it's such a joy to be able to sit down with someone that you fundamentally disagree with and have a reasoned balanced respectful conversation about it and you know you you more than just about anybody have made me question all the things that i think are going to happen because of the way you approach this and, it, and it's you know I've learned a lot from the way you compartmentalize and the way you you know accept the present and, and that seems to be something that stems from the way you look at things. I mean you, 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 you do have a different view to a lot of people. How have you found holding that view to be in, in, in such a in such a conflicted world?
1: Um, so I think uh, one of the, my favorite quotes on investing comes from Soros. Who I think um, for me is you know the guy uh, who I admire the most in terms of his approach and, and uh, trading style he said something that always uh, I'm unmindful of, and he said uh, when you uh, he said uh, imperfect and when you realize that imperfect understanding is a human condition, there's no shame in being wrong in only it is only in failing to admit or correct your mistakes, right? So I think it's, uh, first, knowing that, that we all have an imperfect understanding, and I could be just as wrong. And secondly, I think it's um, you know, doing, again, what some other, some other macro legends do, which is working on multiple scenarios in your mind. And uh, the scenario that sort of uh, presents itself with the most evidence is what you follow. And I think in certain instances, it's just you know, understanding where the rest of the world is, and I think, you know, coming out of that crisis, we've seen. Uh, it's funny because we're all thinking about the future, but frankly, I think this we all suffer from a lack of imagination, and I think it's that whole crisis that's, you know, crippled the creative thinking of all of us, you know, and, and I'm myself included because I've made plenty of mistakes along the way. So I think it's understanding all of those forces, but then coming down to what I think is. Uh, being devoted to the truth. And I think, uh, you know, so waking up every morning, figuring out, um, is the euro uh, at 105, is that a true reflection of where it should be or not? Um, Looking at oil prices, you know, is that where it should be or not? And similarly, you know, questioning all these assumptions that people make about the future. And uh, as you ask good questions or or the wrong questions, it gets you closer to the answer. And you're constantly evolving. So. You know I've changed my view on a, on a number of different things just this year. so I think um, you know it's it's all evolving. you and I you know you know this be- better than I do because you've had so much more experience in markets. But I think what I strive to be, I guess this is the most important. what I strive to be is um, is it independent. you know I think uh, being contrarian, it's so lauded, I think it's overrated. I think what really matters is independence of mind. And independently arriving at your conclusions. So it's you know funny that in, in our portfolio, we've got trades that are consensus and we've got trades that are, con, that are contrarian. We arrived at them independently and we're comfortable with that. So I think um, it's so easy to get uh, caught up in ideolo- ideology. I think what's important is to be agnostic in your analysis rather than ideological and empirical rather than dogmatic. So I think it's being aware of those two things um, that, you know makes us uh, get up and try to see the world uh, as best we can. And again, like I said, focus on figuring out what's true. Jawad, I
0: want to pivot back um, a little bit to when you were talking about being, you know, staying in the present, being present in the moment, and then shifting from living on you know, kind of gold-based to value-based. Are there any specific works or writers, because I know you, you read prolifically, um, are there any works or quotes that you refer to in order to keep you focused on living in the present and also living
1: a value-based life? I think all of the uh, great, in my opinion, writers, um, sages that I talk about, the the poets, the saints, the prophets, I think they all speak a truth that is universal. So I I find the same sort of conclusions in Emerson's work as I do in Rumi's work, as I do in C.S. Lewis, as I do in Confucius, as I do um, in so many other writers um over time iqbal who is you know from the subcontinent and a personal favorite of mine i think all of those guys they've uh, been influenced by each other they've all uh, been extremely uh, deeply spiritual and figured out perhaps uh, answers to more fundamental questions that many of us frankly don't even consider and we just get on through life right so i think it's it's these writers that have taken a more contemplative approach that um, and their books, you know, uh, and some of them haven't written books. They're just a collection of essays. But I think it's all these guys, and it's 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 what what what's striking for me is how all these guys from all different backgrounds, you know, have arrived at a very similar conclusion. Marcus Aurelius is another one, I guess, um, you know. So it's a summary of all these guys. I, I would also add it's not just these writers, and I think a lot of it is uh, inspired from even religious teachings. What uh, and religious teachings across many faiths would probably espouse you know, a very similar uh, way of living. And I would also add, I think this, is, you know, this might sound depressing, but I think fundamentally speaking, uh, we act like we're going to live on forever. And I think what's also important is to understand uh, and accept mortality, right? So once you're aware of that, then uh, you know you want to make the most of uh, what you have today and make every breath count and make every action count and every thought and every interaction. Uh, so I think once you're aware, then uh, you have, uh, like it just feels unnatural to to even delve into worrying about the future. So I think it's a sum, summation of all those things.
2: Well, I mean, we talk about the future, but to, to finish off, I, I want to uh, come to the present and the recent past. Um, and this is the only question that will be common to uh, to to every interview we do in the summer series. Uh, you know The questions we've asked you, no one else is going to get asked those questions, that's for sure. But this one is something we've had a lot of uh, requests for, and that's just to get a sense from you of any interesting books that you've read this summer that you would recommend to people to, uh, to try and broaden their horizons.
1: Okay, so let me uh, give you a few names. But before that, let me tell you a little story. Um, about 10 years ago, uh, in the middle of the crisis, I locked myself in the office one day, and I spent eight hours on Amazon, and I ordered about 125 books online in one go, <laughs> you know, and everything from like history, philosophy, politics, yeah. religion, architecture, you know, science, uh, everything you can imagine, um, railroads, anything and everything. And over the next four years, I probably accumulated you know 400, 500 additional books, and my you know dream was to build this massive library in my house where I could. Sit and read all day, and uh, you know feel good about myself about everything that I've learned. You know interestingly, um, over the last ten years, out of those five hundred books, I've only read fifty, and the rest of them have all sort of given away uh, or trying to give away. Um, and the reason is uh, you know I think, like I said before, like uh, the old Jawad wanted to you know acquire every external knowledge and really fill his mind and be the, the wisest man alive. And I think uh, I've dumped that. Um, and I've dumped that because I think uh, I, I want to avoid clutter and everything that's unnecessary. So now I, I struggle to get through a book about you know Japanese history or the Civil War or even you know, the stock market crash of you know, 1929 or anything else of that matter. I really struggle with that, those things right now. Um, and I try to focus more on the self. And once you realize, you know, how weak uh, your shortcomings, uh, when you focus more on those, you just focus on improving that as much as possible. That you don't even find the time or or the will to think about external stuff. Uh, so what I actually read more often is just the same books over and over uh, by the same writers that I've mentioned already. Uh, so I don't, you know, so I, I read, but I don't read too much, and I actually read more of the same as opposed to more of a lot. Uh, but um, I've been lucky where I've got some wonderful clients. They send me books. So um, to answer your question, uh, I myself finished recently uh, an autobiography of Shumps uh, called Rumi and Me, and Shumps was basically Rumi's teacher. Uh, and then I was given two books by clients. One was uh, The Chip Letters by C.S. Lewis, which I absolutely loved. Yeah. And uh, what I'm reading now is, uh, is uh, Napoleon Hill's Think and grow rich, which you know sounds like an odd title, but is deeply spiritual as well. I find excellent. Well, Jawad,
0: I think that's a that might be the most unique answer to that question because uh, it, on the one hand, it kind of makes me feel better that I haven't read all the books that I've bought on Amazon as well. But I think uh, there's there's a very deep point there about you know not having clutter and also rereading the things that that actually matter. Um, but thank you again for those uh, those suggestions. Um, just before we we close off here. Where can our listeners who are interested in find out more about your work and, 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 uh, and follow you on, on uh,
1: social media, how can they do that? They can uh, go to our website, uh, stray-reflections.com. They can send us an email. We're we happy to send them samples of our work. Uh, on social media, I think my Twitter handle is at jsmeon. Um, I'm pretty active and will respond uh, happily.
0: Excellent. Thanks again for your time, Jawad. Absolute pleasure.
2: Joel, thank you so much. It's been uh, it, it's been as, as much fun uh, as I knew it would be. So thank you very much. Thank you very much. Well, I, I said at the top of the show that this was going to be a unique interview, and uh, you know, as expected, Joel didn't let us down. He, he's such a fascinating guy, and every time I speak to him, which is which is not often enough, but uh, but plenty often, I, you know, I, I come away with just a big smile on my face and there's so much to think <laughs> about.
0: Yeah, for sure. And Grant, now I, I'm I'm debating what I should do with all those books I have in my Amazon cart. Well, I, I would suggest uh, you
2: buy them and send them to Joab. <laughs> so that he can give them away. Exactly right.
0: But uh, but that brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, just a reminder again, guys, we'll be back with the second season of Adventures in Finance beginning on September 7th. Now, we're going to have a massive first episode lined up for you guys. Big surprise. You definitely don't want to miss it. And now for the legal disclaimer. Anything you heard on this episode is our opinion and the opinion of our contributors only. So do your fundamental research, chart your technicals, place your stops, and trade responsibly.
2: Indeed. And if you have an interesting question about this week's show uh, or anything else you've heard on uh, Adventures in Finance, then we'd love to hear it. So please send us an email or leave us a voice note at podcast at realvision.com. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe on iTunes and leave us that review. (laughs) We need that review. review, shmoo. If you want to keep up to date with the latest interviews, research publications, and of course, podcast episodes, then please follow us on Twitter at Real Vision.
0: You can also find us hanging out on Facebook and LinkedIn. Just search for Real Vision.
2: And you can follow me on Twitter, if the mood takes you, at T-T-M-Y-G-H.
0: Finally, you can follow me at Macrodata. that's it from us.
2: We will see you back here next week.